You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 147 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with the very clever, very talented, now back in Melbourne, Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? How are you settling back into the mundane life of (laughs) Melbourne after you've spent all that time island hopping around the Caribbean and doing photo shoots with interesting people and stuff like that. Is it really boring now that you have to go to the local supermarket instead of order room service? Uh, No, because I love my routine. I love my bed. I love my home. I love Melbourne. I love my pets. I love my family. (laughs) So it's like, and because I'm away so much, like being home, sometimes feels like a holiday because it's like, oh, my God, when you live out of a suitcase, the luxury of because, like, you're always going, oh, I really want to wear these pants today, and then you're like, I don't have them, or just having like a never-ending. But all of your pants look the same. I know. That's (laughs) – there's there's – Method to my madness, Valerie, and a lot of people do this uh, (laughs) because you only have so much creativity available to you each day, like decision-making takes away from that creativity. So Uh I – I don't want to sit and think about what I have to wear every day. So I just wear the same stuff every day. So at the start of the year, I just go out and I buy, you know, 20 of the same colored T-shirt. Do you buy the actual same T-shirt? The exact same one. So I've got like uh, maybe not 20, but I've got definitely got like 15 navy blue T-shirts. I have five uh, of a lighter blue T-shirt and then I have um, the same colour jeans. So there's black for more formal occasions, there's blue for more casual, and then there's uh, like tailored the, the tailored suits, but it's do all the same. Wear, do you wear the same type of jeans? Or the do you same buy brand? You, well, yeah, and style, you know, or do you buy different types of blue denim jeans? So I fa- I fa- like I fa- have a preference towards <laughs> certain ones and yeah. it'll be like the blue, navy blue shirt. So there might be like a couple of years where it's a particular kind and mm-hmm. then I might mm-hmm. – change it up but then it's not going to be like you, you're not going to see me in five different outfits in a week no like, I know you, you know that <laughs> you know that you could see me over the course of a year what 10 times I may be wearing exactly the same clothes every yes. time you see me and I don't care Valerie Koo <laughs> in the slight could not care less because that take taking all of that decision making out of and the same I, I also have removed that, all decision making. No, 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 but, but 
food. This is, this is, if this is an issue, then why in the world when you are traveling would you ever think, oh, I'd really like to wear those pair of Probably pants? Probably a, a, a useless um, example that I just gave you, but it's just nice to have like your own home things sometimes. It's just like sometimes the pillow, even though they're always amazing, they're just mm. a few centimetres too high or the yeah. window's in a different spot or, True. you know, all yes. of those things. Uh, I so know. And nice you miss Gary have, as well, Gaza. And I miss my kitty cats and yes. you know, just, being, just having stable Wi-Fi. Oh, I know. You know, it's yes, just all that sort of stuff. So it's yes. uh, it's really nice to be home. And can I tell you, in Melbourne, so the Southern Hemisphere, we're in the middle of a very cold winter. Mm. And so what we've been getting is really clear, uh, sunny days, like beautiful blue skies and the clouds, Val, have been mm. amazing, like these yeah. misty, gorgeous, sexy, sexy clouds. So it's a, it's a good time of the year. Really enjoying it. Yes. Well, of course, our North American listeners, uh, especially our North North American listeners and Canadians and so on, um, and probably, in fact, most people in the Northern Hemisphere are thinking, thinking, what in the world are you talking about cold? Like we don't don't know cold compared to how they know cold. But we've been having like in the minuses, like Saturday night we got into the minuses. So really? like minus in Melbourne? Two. My yeah, God, yeah. I died. It's, 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 it's like it's uncomfortable cold, like oh, gloves. Dear. Yeah, it's, oh, it's no. that's cold. Yeah, yeah, okay. That doesn't get like that in Sydney like mm. ever. Mm. All right. Well, anyway, we are recording a snapshot today because our snapshot is basically our like our mini-sodes where we have uh, a slightly shorter than normal episode and usually we answer a listener question or tackle a very short and sharp issue that can be covered in the world of photography. Now, in this particular snapshot, we're going to cover how to pose and shoot a large group portrait in hard sunlight because it's actually inspired by a great question from Eva. So hello, Eva. How are you? Thank you very much for asking your question because Eva has a job coming up and she needs to pose a group of nine people and do do their portraits. And they're quite high-powered go-getting people in this particular company, but she needs to do it at 11 o'clock because, mm. uh, of you know, that's just when it's scheduled. And that means the sun is going to be high in the sky. The location is a large open terrace with chairs and tables and like a court – it's like a courtyard, but basically mm. there isn't a lot of, um, you know, perhaps trees that you can use the shade from or that sort of thing. So it's going to be hard sunlight. Uh, so that's that's issue number one that Eva is going to face and she's asking for some advice about it. But issue number two is posing nine people mm. in a group shot uh, where – and they, they, are, they are sort of – Um, They've been picked as sort of the go-getting people of the company. And so she wants to make sure that the shoot is dynamic and really interesting and that it isn't just like a stiff corporate look. So I reckon let's tackle the one about hard sunlight first, Gina, because that is an issue that would face many of us where often you don't necessarily have a choice and suddenly you have to do a shoot and that's all you've got. You've got hard sunlight. Yes. So where do we start on that one? Shall we do that one first? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So congratulations, Eva, on picking up this uh, gig and being so gung-ho about doing it. And uh, I think once you've done it, you're going to be really uh, happy with the results, hopefully. So hard sun at noon and and sort of uh, between 11 and 1, that's the sort of – that's when the the sun's quite high in the sky. And what it does is it it casts some uh, hard shadows so you can get uh, squinty eyes or that raccoon eye look where the um, the sun is beating down and particularly if people have got deep set eyes mm. that, that like the shadows caused by their eye socket can make their eyes look a lot darker and so you can you, you're dealing with the harsh shadows so that's why it's kind of one of those no-go zones for shooting but like you know high-powered corporates don't think of this sort of stuff. It's like that's no. when they're available. Well, it's not that they don't think of it, but but they've got that window. And I know that like organising nine sort of high-powered people to be available at the same time, you've got to be able to jump when they're available. So but like, also you've got to sometimes make the most of it. sometimes they do think about it, and they mistakenly think that that the hard sunlight is actually best for photos. I've found that as well. They've actually yeah. put thought into it, and they yeah. actually think they're doing you a favor by putting you at that time yeah because the light it's nice and bright so Mm -hmm. you know hopefully that'll work well for you so Mm -hmm. um basically uh there's a there's a few things you can do uh with this scenario so um you want to think about how you're metering so for this sort of um shoot you want to try you want to shoot in manual mode and you want to switch over to spot metering because when you've got high contrast and lots of areas where there might be dark shadows and bright areas if you use uh one of the other modes of metering the camera may get it wrong and so like let, let me just step back the ideal like the, the no fail technique is to use a light meter many photographers don't have light meters particularly those starting mm. out so the next best thing is to use spot metering and to use your camera's metering to meter off a skin tone and so what I would do uh, Eva as I was setting up for this shot is like hopefully you've got someone who's looking after you as you're setting up the shot or a few bodies that you can use to take a reading from and go right up to the skin tone and take a reading on the camera off that skin tone and that's how you're going to you're going to expose for the skin tone because that's the most important um, part of the of the actual shot so the camera may get confused because what the camera does is it reads reflected light and you want to know what the actual light is so like if you've got a lot of uh, bright areas it might uh, give you a reading that's uh, overexposed if you've got a lot of dark areas it'll try and brighten the image up and um, give you an area that uh, sorry is overexposed and if you've got a lot of bright areas it'll give you uh, a reading that uh, isn't correct and it'll give you an underexposed reading so it's the best to 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 take out um, any areas that might confuse a camera and just take your camera right up, fill the frame with your skin tone. Obviously do this before, like it's not cool to do it. (laughs) You walk up, you've got nine CEOs standing in a row and you just walk up with your camera and Mm -hmm. push it into their face. Probably Mm -hmm. no, Um, (laughs) but just do it in, in that prep time. So a couple of things you can do. You can, um, try and like, if you've got this open space, 
try and do yourself a favor and everyone else in the group and try and find a spot with open shade. So like if there was a covered area that was in shade, that would be ideal because you got all this beautiful light bouncing around. Um, the next thing you could do is you, if you like, if it had to be in an open area where like from your description, it sounds like you've only got this open space, you could, uh, build a something to scrim the light so like a, mm. a large commercial style uh, scrim which is what we use on uh, film and tv shoots where it's a it's a it's a cloth that uh, allows the light through but it doesn't allow the, uh, the, the the harshness of the light through so it softens it it's like putting a big blanket of cloud over over the sun so you get this soft beautiful diffused light so that would be an ideal um and there's some some great uh, commercial ones available like i've got a, a little portable one called a screen gym that Ooh. i use and it possibly would cover uh a nine people depending on how they were covered and you, you but you'd, you'd need someone or a stand with uh weights and you could position that and uh you've created your own little um uh, bank of clouds there to soften the light. So mm. that's uh, that's the ideal. Uh, the cheap uh, sort of budget version is to just get a, a big white sheet and do mm. that and just cover the light. So you still get nice light. The next thing, the next way around working in this sort of light is to overpower the sunlight with fill light. And so what you've got is when you're working in hard light like that, where you've got the sun overhead, the sun is like far, far away, small light source, it's going to create hard shadows. And you've got the difference between your shadows and your highlights. It's contrasty. And so adding yeah. fill what that does is it decreases the contrast, so it gives you a greater tonal range. So you mean you specifically adding fill to the bits that are shadowy? Adding fill to the overall scene. So basically what adding fill light does is it gives us less contrast. It reduces the contrast of the shot. So you're filling in the eye sockets, which may look like raccoon eyes. You're lifting the shadows, basically, opening them mm -hmm. up by adding fill light. So a couple of ways you can add fill. You can do a reflector or a bounce board. So you could have uh, one uh, directly in front of the group that uh, the light hits that and bounces back into the group. So the great big uh, silver one uh, works well. So that's that's one way to do it. The other way is to use artificial light or fill flash. So you might want to have a uh, couple of uh, naked uh, bulbs set up either side of the group. And so what I like to do when I'm shooting um, in any lighting situation is I try and match the lighting style with the lighting that I'm trying to fill. So if it's hard light, I will use a, a harder um, light modifier so that the light matches so you can fill in and uh, that could work pretty well. So a couple of speed lights on stands uh, pointed at the group will, will work well to uh, fill, fill that shot. You could also just have flash on camera, which is a really basic way to do it. Set the flash to uh, TTL, which is through the lens. And basically you're telling the camera to do all the calculations for you and it'll throw in just enough light to open up the shadows and fill in the group. So, um, mm. 
that works pretty well. The The danger of that is like sometimes the flash can throw in too much light and it can tend to look a bit too uh, clinical uh, or hard. So um, it, it's just a matter either of uh, doing a um, – a few test shots, uh, like in your backyard at the same time of day, grab a few people and just test out what the fill light looks like and, uh, try and get something that works, uh, really well. The other, uh, thing you can do is you can actually work with the light. So you can try and backlight everyone so that it may be uh, that the light at 11 is still low enough that it's, if you're working with backlighting, it'll just be, uh, create a nice uh, rim light on the group and then you can um, expose for the skin tone and then just uh, pop a bit of uh, flash in or some bounce some light back in. It'll give it a, um, a good look. The other one that I like... <laughs> <laughs> that's mm. not always successful is mm. on the day of the shoot, you pray to the weather gods. <laughs> right. And hope that they're listening. And what are you and praying for exactly? I, I pray <laughs> for one little cloud. I don't ask for the entire sky to be covered because that's a lot, Val. That's a big ask. But I guess I so. Have- successfully done this. I know I've told this story before, but I had a mm-hmm. wedding that they had the ceremony at midday. It was mm-hmm. a, an Australian, it was uh, an Australian celebrity. John Rooney was getting uh, married and midday mm-hmm. she got married. I'm like, why? Wow. Yeah, and then wow. it was blue sky. It was a perfect day. And I'm just mm-hmm. sitting there going, dear weather gods, please just give me a little cloud. And do you know what? Yeah. Right on cue, as she was walking up the aisle, got the a little, little cloud. cloud came over and just covered the sun. Just well done. Just a little blanket. And then I had perfect, beautiful lighting. And then after the ceremony, yes. it went away. So it's not – it's not a guaranteed option, you know, but it's one to maybe keep in your back pocket and you hope for that. Otherwise, mm. use those other techniques that, that I explained. <laughs> or just do all of the above just to increase your chances. Do all of the above, but uh, uh, in the next episode, uh, look out for it that I'm going to talk about some techniques in using lighting in a lot more detail. But the trick is to just be uh, uh, try not to over light the shots um, Mm. and uh, work work with what you've got. And if you can try and get away with uh, using the available light, like backlighting, and then a bit a bit of like a bit of fill, uh, it could look quite good. Um, You'd be surprised surprise with the results. Um, a few Ooh. posing tips, Val, for this sort of thing. Yes, for nine people. For nine people. Uh, what I love to do in this kind of group, because it like corporates, nine and CEOs, it can be an absolute nightmare to get them to just relax and free yeah. up. So what I love to do is I think the walking shot is uh, my favourite for this sort of thing. Do you and mean it's, walking uh, towards walking the camera? Towards camera. So I'd have them as a group and uh, a fair way away and doing it as a, a, a long shot where yes. you've got like full full bodies and then but what you do is you position them in a line next to each other and uh, try and have maybe the tallest person in the middle and uh, and then sort of ha- have them staggered so that they're uh, sort of uh, pairing off in in um, like a triangle shape so the shortest at the end right and peeking really? up to the middle because it, it gives mm. a nice shape or you know do you, you think can that looks a bit um, a two set up or you can just stagger them 
to stagger them then. Would there you know? be any rules, for example, like you wouldn't put the tallest person next to the shortest person? Well, I just think that that to me, to my eye, looks a bit jarring. So having someone mm. that's uh, set, you know six foot six next to someone mm. who's four foot four, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's just like <laughs> or the even just five foot. You know, well, you know, very specific specific height, wasn't it? Four foot four. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, I'll I, give I'll add a tip here because I was in a walking shot once, and, and yeah, about there what? were only about four. There were four of us, I think. There were four or five of us. And what they wanted to capture was the walking shot, but they wanted us to be walking from around the corner so that we would come into the frame in a sense. Was um, it filmed? Filmed as well as shot. Oh, right, 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 right. And um, uh, they obviously did not put thought into this because I was the shortest person. But yeah, they but you're on Val? I can't remember, um, but that not particularly high ones, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but they put me on the outer edge, which meant as you, if you're walking on the outer edge, you have to practically run to keep up with the person who's barely taking any steps Striding. in the yes. in the in the middle. So yep. it looks stupid. <laughs> yeah. There's, so there's a, put some there's thought a couple into of it. things you can do with that sort of thing, Val. Where I've got someone who is a lot shorter than the 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 next person, you can actually uh, work with uh, the the lens and perspective to cheat it cheat the perspective of the shot. So where where I would have lined the group up, I would probably stagger it so the shorter people would be uh, a few paces in front of the taller people right. and shoot with a long lens and shoot right. from a low angle and that's going to actually even everybody out mm. in terms of size as mm. well. And, and I would also do that with if you have people who have a larger frame as mm. well, if you put them next to someone who's – um, narrower in frame, uh, mm-hmm. I would set the narrower, bring the narrower person forward and the larger person back. And right. basically what that does is it evens it all out. So you play around with perspective just mm. to give the whole shot a, a, a lot, a, make it all a lot more even. And so basically you've lined your people up, you've staggered them. And then uh, the thing to do is to give everyone something to do. One thing, not five. So everyone gets one thing. So you're like, uh, Dave, what I want you to do is walk and uh, explain um, the uh, exactly what you had for lunch, your hamburger. I want you to detail it from the bun to the cheese to the – right, that's your job. That's it for the entire – so making it as ridiculous as possible really yeah. keeps the uh, the atmosphere light. And this is what I do when I'm – I've had the most – high-powered people <laughs> in the world do this like and it, it looks like they're having this high-powered meeting yes. and one of them is on the phone ordering a, a hamburger or hmm. a pizza right and mm-hmm. you get some engagement and life so everyone in the group has something to do and, and you position their hands and then you get them to walk towards you so you keep that energy going that works well for a shot so the other, where will yep. you position their hands so it's you stagger the hands. So some of them, um, and you've got to pick. You've got you, uh, the more you do these, the more you learn who are the awkward people. So there's two kinds of people in a portrait shoot. There is the person that you tell, and they just get it. They just naturally yeah. form 
fall into that. Well, there's three. There's the person who just gets it and just naturally can sit, stand, walk, talk. They they just are naturally <laughs> quite graceful. <laughs> the other extreme is the person that no matter how you show them, how much you explain it, how much you demonstrate, how much you pick up the physically pick them up and move their head in and bend them into shape, they go back to awkward as a default. They're just naturally awkward, right? Mm. And then you've got someone in between. So if you come across that person who just, it's, it's just not in them to do that. You give them the simplest task. So put your hands mm-hmm. in your pocket, look straight <laughs> ahead and don't move. That's it. That's your chart. Just put one okay. foot in front of the other because any more with that, any more than that, they're just not going to cope. Yes, that's you know, true. And then, yeah. and then you pick out the person in between and you can, you can kind of give them a, uh, a higher level of um, difficult sort of um, pose to do. The mm-hmm. other one is you can just line them all up against the wall so you can have mm-hmm. them leaning and then there's uh, something like uh, a Last Supper kind of a shape where you've got the CEO mm. in the middle and you can have all the others around. You can have them around a boardroom doing the I, – I, I'm a fan of the everybody doing something kind of shot yeah. rather than we all are. Um, you know, in a group like a school photo. And then there's the staggered version, which I call the 90210, where you have mm. a really nice shape. You've got some people standing, some people sitting. And so top level is standing, mid-level is sitting, and then I'd mm. have the next lower tier, depending on uh, how old or how, what the sort of the uh, what, what kind of CEOs they were. Because if they were creative types, it'd be pretty cool to have some of them sitting on the floor. That works if you've got younger ones. Then, then that works. But, you, you know, often if it's um, high end and it's something that they wouldn't do, then you probably wouldn't have them on the floor. But you could have some lower Ottomans that you place lower. So you've got that that three tiers going on and then you can that's, – that's how I would work the sort of the nine people to shape them. And, of you course – A lot of these tips, in fact, not just uh, tips for groups but tips on posing um, a whole range of people can be found in Gina's fantastic course called How to Direct and Pose Like a Pro. And it has cheat sheets and it's got exact instructions on how you would pose men, women, couples, groups, lots of different examples of um, different ways that you can pose in a group. So if you want to check that out, then go to GinaMilitia.com and click on the section in courses and you'll find it, How to Direct and Pose Like a Pro. It's so so useful. I've learnt so much from it and I know that heaps of people have learnt so much from it as well because it's it's good to be technically correct and, and that's fantastic but your pictures don't come to life unless you actually have um, you, and unless you're actually able to direct your subjects to propose in a way that's engaging and dynamic and, and, and something that just really makes your images different to, to the norm. So Definitely check that out on Gina's website, ginamilitia.com, and then click on Courses. All right, what else, Gina? Um, I think that uh, that covers it. Oh, so uh, sorry. I have a the, question. The, the other thing, yep, sorry, Val, just no. uh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, when people are being posed in direct sunlight mm. uh and everyone's got very different sensitivity to light. Yeah. I know some people can handle 
bright sunlight. I never wear sunglasses, for example, like ever, yeah, ever. Best thing for you, Val. Yeah, okay. It is. But, but, no, but what I'm saying is that different people have different sensitivity to light. When some people yeah. might be able to look fine when Eva is taking their photo, others might not be able to handle the reflection, a reflector, or um, might not yeah. be able to handle the harsh sunlight because they're used to wearing sunglasses. So, what are your tips on making sure people aren't squinty and aren't going to be? Um, affected by by say something like a reflector all right so w- what you'd want to do is like when you've got everyone outside uh w- what i like to do when i've got a group shot val is i just come in um just before i'm about to shoot and i will just go ahead and uh maybe just straighten up jackets and uh dust off you know shoulders and 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 things like that so i'm just tweaking everyone and it's just my mm. way of feeling connected to the group so i'm yeah. sort of not not way behind the camera as i'm up there in their space joking around just you know to try to make friends with everyone and get some energy going that's Mm. when I'm checking out who's squinting and who's not because the last thing you want to do Val is um highlight Jane in front of nine of her colleagues yeah it's Jane that's ruining the shot you know Mm. so Jane you're actually squinting again like that's not cool so like if you find that you see that like I said Jane I see you're having trouble maybe you take her aside at that time and you go what I want you to do is before I take the shot is uh maybe close your eyes look down uh, or look at something dark look at look at the back of um you know the chair or something where it's dark and then look up so that that, that'll help you with the uh the squinting or Mm. you make it as a general direction to everyone so hey guys uh if some of you are having trouble with the light here i'll suggest that maybe you know you close your eyes just before we shoot and everybody open and eyes to me and just like keep that going but you 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 try not to uh single uh anyone out just Mm. a a couple of final tips when you're doing a group shot like this uh, it's really important that you shoot on a tripod and lock off so you set your focus and then mm. that the focus is not going to change. So you might want to use autofocus to to get your focus point, and then you turn the focus off so it's not constantly searching for it. And then you do not move the camera or change mm. the focus. And that way, if you you do you do a burst, like you try and do ten or fifteen frames for a group shot. If someone has blinked in the shot, it's very easy to swap their face over oh. for someone. So always do that. That's not going to work on walking towards the camera shot, but where you've got a static shot, that'll work really well. That's really great advice. Fantastic. Well, we hope that you've got some tips uh, there, Eva, and also I'm sure other people listening will be able to find that uh, all this information useful as well. Do let us know. I just want to make mention that Gina's course also on um, how to master manual mode and get off auto forever is literally about to be released so make sure you register your interest at ginamilitia.com slash manual because you'll get a special pre-launch discount that will be absolutely um a really good one let me assure you (laughs) i wore the same t-shirt in that everywhere it's like shot all around the world val (laughs) so you see me in italy in the philippines it's like all around the world you know and it's like i've got the same t-shirt on see so it proves my theory it does 
it, it's actually different. In case there are people who are, you know, not into, who are really into hygiene, it's actually it's different. Not the same t-shirt, but it's the, like I have several of them. Yes. Like the fonts, you know, you had his like. There's a, my favourite right. scene in Happy Days where he opens his wardrobe and he's got seven black leather jackets, seven white t-shirts, and seven <laughs> pairs of jeans. Oh my god. That's where goodness. I got my inspiration. All right. So if you want to see Gina in the same t-shirt shot around the world, it's literally yeah. shot around the world. There's yeah. Philippines, Sicily, um, Melbourne, yeah. everywhere. Iceland. Iceland, everywhere. everywhere. Uh, then uh, check out the course. It's really, really fantastic um, and it's about how to master manual mode and get off auto forever and it's exactly this information from Gina and all of these tips from Gina that I've used to get off auto because I used to shoot in auto all the time and now I only shoot in manual and um, that's thanks to Gina's advice. So make sure you check it out, ginamilitia.com slash manual. That brings us to the end of this week's episode so where do we find you online gina you can find me at ginamilitia.com so g-i-n-a-m-i-l-i-c-i-a and then i'm at gina militia on instagram and twitter and pinterest and youtube val what about you you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and i'm also in the facebook group um, just uh, for for listeners you it's free to join our facebook group just search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community and connect with us there you can feel free to connect with me on facebook as well of course and you'll find the show notes at ginamilitia.com to anything that we discuss in our episodes in the meantime thank you so much for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.